the Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, of the sermon, I've titled it The Big If. The Big If. I will read the text and then we'll pray and we'll go into it. John chapter 12, verse 20 to 36. I will jump some verses and just focus on a few that follows the narrative that I want to explore. John chapter 12, from verse 20 to 36. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name, Jesus said. Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Now is the judgment or crisis of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Verse 32, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Verse 33 says, this he said, this Jesus said, signifying by what death he would die. And verse 36 says, when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Father, Lord God, we ask, O oh God, that as we spend the next few minutes in your word, that you will speak to us yourself. You will bring your word to us. You will help us to lay hands on that particular thing that you want for each and every one of us to live here with. To the betterment of our lives, to the glory of your name, in Christ Jesus' unfailing name we pray. Amen. Amen. We remember that the theme for this month is divine lifting. Divine lifting. And um, we've looked at it, and rightfully so, from the perspective of God lifting us up. Every time you see divine something, he's speaking of the supernatural ability of God to do that thing. So God lift up, and God is already lifting up. Look at the wonderful testimonies that we've received. Even in the midst of this lockdown, things are happening, and we can't deny it, and we give God all the glory for that. But, you know, as I was pondering on that theme, as I was preparing for this message, the Lord was also showing me the other side of that coin. That's when we speak of, okay, for instance, if you speak of weightlifting, if you are speaking of weight lifting, you are not talking of the weight lifting you. You are talking of you lifting the weight. And so I want us to, for the next few minutes, also look at the divine lifting, this team, from the perspective of us lifting God up, us lifting or exalting the glory of God in our lives. And I think the two work together because Jesus gave a very beautiful um, promise in that passage that we read. And that's why I've titled this The Big If. It says, if I am lifted up, if Jesus is lifted up from the earth, he will draw all peoples to himself. Peoples, there is just the fact that people is pluralized. People is already plural, and then it's pluralized again. It's saying that it's not just talking of um, a certain kind of people, but people from anywhere and everywhere, all across the world. And when I looked at the context of this passage, of course, you will notice I've jumped a number of verses. But if you start right from the beginning of verse 1 to the very end of that chapter, it's a very loaded and packed chapter. 
John chapter 12 comes after John chapter 11. So I just want to give us a bit of background before zooming into the things that we want to explore. And in John 11, if you are familiar at all with the book of John, you would know that in John 11 was where we have the story of, the, of Lazarus that was, raised from, that was raised from the dead. Um, and so John chapter 12 begins with a party, a feast, in which Jesus was invited again to the house of Lazarus in Bethany to feast with him, to celebrate the fact that he that was dead is now back alive. And then we moved on from there into Jesus left there and went into Jerusalem. Uh, this is the beginning of the Holy Week. This is what we would refer to as Palm Sunday. So that was when he rode a donkey into Jerusalem, what we call the triumphant entry. And when he got to Jerusalem together with his disciples, preparing for his death, because of course he knows that from that moment, he has less than one week to die, to give up his life, because no one can actually kill God. No one can kill Jesus. He said it that no one can take my life except I lay it down. But he has less than one week to do all that he needed to do. And the passage that we have read today is his last public sermon that he gave in the Gospel of John. That was the last time he spoke. And I like how it ended. He says he hid himself. After he had said all he wanted to say, he hid himself from them. And so when he got to Jerusalem for the Passover, we read that there are two Greeks or some Greeks, they were not told that many of them. Some Greek people came to Andrew, I mean, to, to Philip from Bethsaida. They came and they asked him, they said, we want to see Jesus. And uh, Philip did not take them directly to Jesus. He took them to Andrew. And then together with Philip and Andrew and supposedly these people, they all went together to Jesus. As though there is a whole lot of chain reactions that you have to go through before you can see Jesus. But when they saw Jesus, the first thing that Jesus said was the hour has come. Now that unbelievers are looking for me, now that people that are not Jewish, now that Gentiles are looking for me, the hour has come for me to be glorified. Because the reason why he came, even though he has said earlier on that I came for the lost of the household of Israel, he understood the fact that the reason why he came transcends the, the nation of Israel. The agenda is for the whole world. And now that people from outside of the Jewish race are beginning to ask, show us Jesus, show us Jesus. Jesus himself knows that the time has come for his glorification. And then he, it is in that same theme of the glory of God or the revelation of the glory of God that he goes on to say, what you guys need to know is for you to see me, really, it depends on if I am lifted up. If I am lifted up. Verse 30, 33 tells us that that's, that phrase is describing how he was going to die. And of course, we know that he died being lifted up. He was raised up on a cross. He was crucified. Everyone that was in the town saw him. And they, that, that was the birth of the beginning of the glory as we know it. So that's the context of the whole story. But in verse 31, there's a phrase that was used. I've quoted from the New King James Version. But if you read from some versions, you will discover that Jesus literally said, the world is now in crisis. Many other versions use the word judgment. But what he was saying there is actually that the world is now in a crisis. And when I read that from the message and saw that phrase, it reminded me of the fact that actually, even right now in the world, we are experiencing a crisis. We are experiencing a global pandemic. And so I believe there is something that God wants to say to all his children, 
beginning with us from this particular text about how he can be seen in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. How can Jesus be seen in the midst of what is happening now? The whole world is already knowing that there is something, there is something that is going on. In the message translation, that verse 31 says, at this moment, the world is in crisis. Now, Satan, the ruler of this world, will be thrown out. And I, if I am lifted up, the big if, if I am lifted up from the heart, I will attract everyone to me. I will gather them around me. And so I begin to see that there is a link between crisis and the glory of God. That every time there is a crisis, it is an opportunity for God to reveal his glory. And this can be personal crisis. It can be, it can be just a minor financial crisis in your own family. It could be marital crisis. It could be health crisis. It could be any kind of crisis whatsoever. Every crisis is an opportunity for God to reveal himself. I, I remember John chapter 9 where the Bible talks of a man that was born blind. And the disciples of Jesus were asking him, why is he blind? Is it that he sinned or his parents sinned? Jesus said it's not because of any sin. It is so that the glory of God can be revealed. Every crisis, every challenge, every, every difficulty that we face as individuals, as families, as a church, as a city, as a nation, and of course in this context, even as the whole wide world, is an opportunity for God to reveal himself. And I want us to see verses 23 and 28 again. Jesus said, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And then he, he ended that speech by saying, Father, glorify yourself, glorify your name. Then God himself spoke from heaven. He said, I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. In other words, what is happening in this text is not just something that happened then and ended then. It's something that will continue to happen. God wants to continue to glorify himself. Every time that Jesus is lifted up, beginning with that moment when he was lifted on the cross of Calvary, and every other time that he is lifted, he will draw all men unto himself. So I want to ask very quickly six questions about this current global crisis in relation to the revelation of the glory of God. Six questions, and I will give answers to each of those questions. I think that I actually added a seventh to make it a perfect number at the end. Now, question number one is, what is happening in this crisis? Both in this text and in our world today, what is happening in this COVID-19 pandemic? What is happening in this season in which God is telling us that it is our season of divine lifting? The answer is that people are asking to see Jesus. I like the comment that uh, Sister Effect gave during the growth track about us doing these things that we are doing to continue to show love and, and, and reach out to people. Um, but as we go on in the message, we'll begin to see that there is even yet um, a qualification that needs to come with how we approach that. But what is happening right now in this crisis in the world? What is happening in this crisis that Jesus was describing in this text? In both cases, people are asking to see Jesus. In the days of COVID-19 crisis, more than any other time in history, I believe that the world is asking that same question now. The same question that those Greeks asked Philip we would like to see Jesus. I subscribed for a, a daily update from a particular Christian news channel. It's called Premier News. Uh, it's one of the major news, Christian news channels in the UK. 
And each day they send me like major headlines. And recently in the last one week, I got one from them where they said, in last weekend, last weekend of Easter, more people read and shared Bible verses from the YouVersions Bible app, that popular Bible app that we all use. More people used that app this last weekend, everybody was in lockdown and in their houses than ever since the time that they've created the app. In fact, 54.7 million people read scripture over Easter on the Bible app. And of course, that's not the only app that people use to read Bible. That's just the one that they are kind of tracking how people have been engaging with that app. And that is telling us something. Because every Easter, of course, we know that even secular organizations, we come up with things that say something about Christ. I'll show you a few pictures of some of the, some of the, um, of uh, greetings that some of these companies used. If you look at that of Peak Milk, they are reminding us what Jesus has done. It is finished. It is finished. I like that of Maggie. The, the aroma is forming the shape of a cross, if you look very well. And they said, it's the reason for the season or the seasoning, but we know that it's the reason for the season. I also like Microsoft. He opened the windows of heaven on his resurrection. At this time, and during Christmas, of course, as well, we see that everything and everyone, even unbelievers, one way or the other, directly or indirectly, they mention the, the, the risen Lord. They talk about Christ. And I see that more than ever before, whether we are aware of it or not, people are asking to know that Jesus. They are asking to know the one that we claim to worship. Which leads me to question number two. If the world is asking us to show them Jesus, how should we do it? How should we do it? And Jesus gave the answer in that verse 32. If I be lifted up from the hurt, I will show, I will, I will raise all men, I will draw all men, I will attract all men, I will gather all men unto myself. So the answer to that question is simply to lift him up, to lift him up. And then the question number three comes, how do I lift Jesus up? How do I do that? How do I lift him up in my own life? And this is, this is the crux of the message. This is where I believe that very many of us could innocently get it wrong. And so I'm going to give two kinds of answers. The first is what I call wrong answers. And many of those wrong answers sound right. And then I will move on to what I believe is the right answer if we are going to dig into what this particular text is saying. How should I lift Jesus up? The wrong answers include by voluntarily or mandatorily choosing to walk on the front line of this crisis. I mean, that's an heroic thing to do. People are still going to work, laboring. Many have died in the line of duty. And that's, that's, that's a good work. By giving money to those that are researching a possible cure of vaccine against COVID-19, there are people that have invested thousands, some millions of dollars, millions of pounds in ongoing research to find a vaccine or to find a cure or to find something that can, that can help people to, to magically boost their immunity and become resistant to this thing. And that is very good. But it's still a wrong answer to lifting Jesus up. Is it by sending money to help people that are poor, who are locked down, they don't have food, they don't have money? Again, that's a very good thing to do, but it can also be a wrong answer. It's by sharing messages that will inspire faith and not fear in these troubling times. I mean, that's a very, very laudable thing to do, especially if the message is grounded and rooted in the word of God. 
But again, it can be a wrong answer. Is it by doing many other good works which Christians are expected to do? Again, good works is what we are created for. Ephesians 2.10 said that categorically. But it can be a wrong answer. So what is the right answer? How can we lift Jesus up individually in the midst of this pandemic and beyond? It's not even just only in this time of global crisis. There will always be crisis. John 16.33 says, in this world, you will have, not you may have, you will have tribulations. He says, but when you experience them, be of good cheer, because I have overcome, not the tribulation, I have overcome the world. I've overcome much more than the tribulation itself. I've overcome every force that is fueling the tribulation. And so it's, it's certain that even if we move out of this, either individually in your own life or in your family or in the church of God or in our community, there will always be another crisis. It might not be as major, it might not be as concerning, but it is still a crisis and it is an opportunity for God to reveal his glory. So what is the right answer to lifting Jesus up? And this is the central point of this message. It is by making Jesus' fame and glory the only motive for any good work that we do. In other words, it's not, it's not only enough to do all those good works, but we need to do those good works with the right motive. In other words, we can do either of those five things that I've mentioned before, and Jesus will still not be seen. We can do any of those things. You can send money to people. You can pray for people. You can send out messages of faith. You can do all those things. You can invest in research. You can continue to heroically go and walk on the front line so that someone that has no other person to care after them can be cared for. But if we are not doing it with that only motive of making Jesus famous and making his glory our only motive, we could be doing all those things without getting Jesus to be seen as he's supposed to be seen in times like this. And the scripture that puts this in perspective for me, I always return to this scripture every time that I, especially when I've done things and people are saying, oh, you've done well, oh, you've done good. I go back to this scripture. It says in the Amplified Version, Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of a man are clean and innocent in his own eyes. He may see nothing wrong with his actions, but the Lord weighs and examines the motives and the intents of the heart and knows the truth. In other words, you can't deceive God in this department. <clears throat> in the um, in easy to read version, it says, people think that whatever they do is right, but the Lord judges their reason for doing it. In the Passion Translation, it says, we are all in love with our own opinions. We are convinced that they are correct but the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and proving our every motive. In the voice translation, it says, even when you think you have good intentions, God knows your real motives. God knows your real motives. This leads me to question number four. What does this look like? What does this whole lifting Jesus up thing look like? What does it look like to either get it right, do good, good works to the glory of God, or do good works and still miss out on making Jesus known. What does that look like? And I will give myself as a personal case study, just looking at the last one week of my life, this between Sunday last week and Sunday this week. Between my wife and I, we've sent over 100 pounds as gifts to different family members and friends. Within that one week, I finished working on a new book 
based on the message I preached last month, pandemic joy. Within this one week, I've responded to different requests for help. Some people have been messaging me to ask about how to write better, how to do different things, and I've responded to them. In this one week, I've counseled a sister in Nigeria whose pastor wants to start sexually abusing her. In this one week, I've prayed for someone in London who is in the ICU. In this one week, from the link that Pastor, I mean, Edda Fatukasi shared for those Avad X online courses, I started one. In this one week, I tried to take many of these recordings that we've been doing, convert them to YouTube videos, and put them on YouTube for the benefit of God's people. Now, the point is, did all those things serve the purpose of glorifying the only good God by whose goodness I've been able to do those things? That's the main question. The question is, will I earn eternal rewards for all those things that I've listed? And there are many other things that I did I, that, of course, I couldn't list. The question is, has God been made more famous by the reason of doing those things, or have I done them to make a name for myself? Have I written another book so that I can say that I have written more books than so-and-so? Have I sent those money? Of course, many of the people we sent money to, it was my wife's idea. So have I done that so that I can be a good husband to my wife, just to be in a good record and score some points? Have I, have I done any of these other things for reasons that are different than making God famous, making the glory of God known? And I think that's, that's where... God wants us to, to, that's the point that he wants us to take home from this message. Which brings me to question number five, and I'm almost done. What is the difference between God glorifying good works and me satisfying or me-centered good works? What's the difference? How do I differentiate when I've done something and I'm feeling good about it, and indeed God is also feeling good about it? As opposed to when I've done something, I'm feeling good about it, but God is shaking his head that if only you can see my heart about what you've just done. And I think the answer to that is what I've called so that, or to put it plainly, our motive, just like I've mentioned. Everything that we do, there is always an invisible so that that comes after it. So for instance, I said, I agreed with my wife to send so-and-so person some money so that even though we didn't say the so that when we were discussing, okay, we send so and so and so amounts to this person, that amount to that person, deep down in our hearts, if only we would have probed further, there is a so that, so that they can think we are good people, so that they, their needs can be met and God can be glorified. It could come in either way, but there is always a so that. There is always a motive behind every action that we do. And that is where I want us to, to linger on in this message, to continue to, to train ourselves to ask that question, to train our spirit man to always bring it to awareness. And why is this important? It's important for two reasons. It's important because Jesus has done his part. Now it is left for us to do our own part. He has been lifted up. He has died for the sin of humanity. Generically speaking, he has drawn all humanity to himself. 1 John chapter 2 makes it very clear that we have an advocate with the Father, even if we sin, because the price for the blood that he has paid has covered our sin. Then it goes on in verse 2 to say, but not only for the sins of believers, it is for the sins of the whole world. He has drawn all men unto himself. But again, he has made it 
He has partnered with us, as many of us as has given our lives to him, to be involved in the process of specifically drawing people to him. The Spirit of God is the one that does the job from start to finish, but he works through us, either by taking the message to them, by showing love to them, but more than any other thing, by ensuring that we do those things because we want God to be glorified. So Jesus has intentionally eaten himself. You remember that verse 36. It says, after he has finished this speech, he left, he departed and hid himself. Hid himself where? He's now hiding himself in your heart, in my heart, in your life, in your purse, in your bank account, in your talent, in your skill, in your passion, in your annoyance, you know, Sometimes the things that disgust us is a pointer to our calling. And sometimes Jesus will, uh, he will hide himself in those things that annoy you so that you can be provoked onto only good works, motivated by your desire to see God being glorified. That's the first reason why this is important. The second reason why this is important is because our eternal rewards are at stake. The difference between two Christians that truly have given their lives to Christ in eternity the main thing that would determine the difference is this point that we are talking about. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, for we, and I'm quoting from the Amplified, we believers, we will be called to account and must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. This is not a judgment to say go to hellfire. In fact, this particular judgment that Paul is describing here would happen within the seven years interval when all the saints have been caught up to be with the Lord for a period of seven years while those that are left behind will be going through tribulations on heart. But in those seven years, yes, you're already in heaven. You're already in the presence of the Father. But he's going to still judge us. And he goes on to say he will judge us so that each one may be repaid for what has been done in the body, whether it is good or bad. That is, each will be held responsible for his actions, his purposes, his goals, and his motives. The use or misuse of his time, opportunities, and abilities. And even though the pronouns here are masculine, this goes to both male and female. Our eternal rewards are at stake. I don't want to be the Christian that just got to heaven, that just made it to heaven. I also want to hear God say to me, well done, you good and faithful servants, enter into the joy of your father. And lastly, the last question, how can I apply this message? How can I act on what I've heard today? And the answer is simple, as often as you can. For the rest of this pandemic, and I would even urge you beyond it, always probe to discover your soul that. Always ask yourself, why am I doing this? So that X, Y, Z, so that X, Y, Z. Ask yourself, if that X, Y, Z is not ultimately to the glory of the Father, the action is not worth it. Because in eternity, it is counted to loss. And so my conclusion is that it is not enough for us to let our light shine. We must let it shine such, such that Christ is made famous, not us. We must let that light shine so that the only permissible so that for the believer, the only kind of so that that attracts reward is so that Christ is made famous. Christ is glorified. Christ is exalted. Christ is, they thank God for your life because of what you've done. And that is my desire. That is my prayer for each and every one of us. I pray that the Lord will bless his words in our hearts in the name of Jesus. 
thank you for your word. We thank you for the timeliness of the same. We know that you are in charge of this universe. What's going on now is not without your knowledge. You have spoken ahead of this time for us as a church to let us know that in the year that we are going to, into, stuff will happen. But you said we should fear not for you have done great things. And we are seeing those great things already. But we also want to be, to be involved in what you are doing globally, what you are doing locally, what you are doing in our streets, what you are doing in our homes by virtue of the good works that you are prompting us to do. And Lord, we are asking that you will help us to always make your glory, your fame, the fundamental basis, the motivation, the reason for every action that we do so that you can be so lifted up that men, whites, Caucasians, Asians, all kinds of people can be drawn to you, even through this pandemic, in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty and unfailing name we pray. Amen. Amen. I will hand over to Pastor for the communion service.